everyone. Welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast. The podcast that is currently at risk of maybe being in the line of a fire, which is something to consider. Um, If you haven't heard or if you're listening to this sometime in the future. Um, it's fire season in California, and it's a little bit earlier than it has been for, like, real fire-related emergencies. Like, a lot of times in recent years, fires has been in October. But this year, with 2020 being just a year of unrelenting tragedy, um, the fires are, are coming a little bit earlier. Um, in addition to other like natural disasters, there's like tropical storms and things like that. Um, but yeah, the fires are coming earlier or they've came earlier. Um, and there was a fire about 30 minutes away from where I live. And I looked at the, the Twitter moments today and it said that fires could worsen if there was more lightning because apparently the fires were started by lightning and we haven't had lightning in my neck of the woods in literal years so i don't know what what's going on in nature wise um we haven't even really had rain like the when the lightning came there was also rain that came along with the lightning and that was like one day of rain maybe like a day and a half of rain and it's odd that the fire started after the rain although to my knowledge and again i live in a place where fires happen um rain could actually be a cause for fires long term i don't think that's the case this time but i remember like a a while ago a couple years ago there was a big like rain season in Cal, it was like a two-week rain period. There was just rain and rain and rain. And then the rain stopped, like, abruptly. And what happened was that rain caused a lot of plants to grow. But then there was no more rain, so those plants died. And when those plants died, they became easy targets for, for fire. And it started a big fire season that year. So it's odd to think that rain is, like, at the at the center one of the main culprits of the fires but but here we are um but that's actually not what i wanted to start off with today um i actually wanted to start off with sports because there's a couple of things in sports that um had my attention in their lightweight old news by this point but i still want to talk about them anyway first off is the sport that i hold near and dear to my heart and that is baseball because baseball, you know, every sport, every organization has their, their problems. But baseball has this unique problem of unwritten rules. And truthfully, not everyone thinks that this is a problem, which might actually be part of the problem. But basically, if you're not familiar, what's been going on in baseball is there's a player by the name of Fernando Tatis Jr. And... The junior is important here because his father, Fernando Tatis, also played in the major leagues. And he was a good player in the major leagues. So Fernando Tatis Jr. did something about a week ago at this point where the count was 3-0, and which means the pitcher threw three balls, no strikes, on the verge of walking Fernando Tatis. And Fernando Tatis swung on 3-0, and which is something that you're taught 
not to do from a pretty young age, but when he swung at that 3-0 pitch, he hit a grand slam, which is one of the best outcomes you can have in baseball. And his team was already up by a bunch of runs. And some people, and really some people I do think is the minority that were truly upset. But I also know that Twitter, where the majority of people were trying to say that this thing is cool and that hitting a Grand Slam 3-0 is fine, I know that Twitter can't be mistaken for the majority opinion because in actuality, like, Twitter is not the world. I I think sometimes you think that Twitter is the world, but Twitter really isn't. And a lot of times what Twitter thinks, like what the majority of people that you see on Twitter thinks is actually a minority in real life. But regardless, right? People were upset because this was an unwritten rule, like running up the score and swinging on a 3-0 pitch and hitting that grand slam broke this unwritten rule right, that you're not supposed to run up the score, you're supposed to be respectful to the pitcher or to the game or all that stuff, right, and I grew up playing baseball, I grew up watching baseball, I love baseball, I went so far to watch Korean baseball, I have a Korean baseball favorite team now, Go NC Dinos, they're not doing so hot right now, but Go NC Dinos, but I love baseball, I wear a baseball cap pretty much every day or some type of hat every day or have I'm have a world baseball classic jersey like in my closet like I love baseball but this unwritten rule thing right as I've gotten older it doesn't really make sense it's not something that fits in modern culture or at least not something that isn't fitting in with modern culture right because you have these young guys and there's a lot of young, exciting players in Major League Baseball, right, that want to have fun playing the game. But these unwritten rules make it harder, especially at the big league level, to have fun playing the game. Because anytime you do something cool, there's going to be some crotchety old person that says, no, you're not supposed to do it. You're supposed to respect the game. You're supposed to, you know, not flip your bat. You're supposed to run slowly around the bases when you hit a home run. You're supposed to not be flashy or whatever. And maybe that was cool in like 1925, right? Maybe that was cool then when these unwritten rules were, you know, starting to be circulated around. Maybe. But now, right, where we have all these people that we want to see, like, shine. Like, we want to see Fernando Tatis Jr. shine or someone like Javier Baez or Francisco Lindor or Ozzy Albies, uh, Ronald Acuna, right? You want those guys to, to shine, right? You want those guys to have fun playing and make the game fun for the viewer, for the fan. But... At the same time, there's this weird unwritten rule thing that gets in the way of us having fun sometimes, right? And the big thing in American baseball is bat flips, where you hit a home run and you flip your bat and you show some emotion. And a lot of people still think that that emotion is wrong, right? And you shouldn't do that. And to me, I think bat flips are cool. And I know a lot of people my age think that bat flips are cool and they bring an extra layer of joy to the game, right? But back to Fernando Tatis for a second, right? He hit this grand slam. 
people were upset. And then the San Diego Padres, which is a team Fernando Tatis Jr. plays for, is basically a grand slam machine. And they've been hitting grand slams and other home runs like basically every day for the past week. And none of this would happen without Fernando Tatis breaking the unwritten rule and starting the streak. They have the highest amount of games with consecutive grand slams here, right? And me, as a San Francisco Giants fan, I don't like the Padres, but I'm like, yeah, hit grand slams, break the unwritten rules, fuck these crotchety people that don't want you to have fun, right? You should have fun. Even me, as someone who doesn't like your team, I can acknowledge that you did something cool and that you should have fun because of it, right? But at the same time, right, as as a baseball fan who thinks that we can do away with most unwritten rules, right? But you run the risk of creating your own unwritten rules. And I'm not above people like arguing or fighting. Like a big part of like the unwritten rules thing is that people who break unwritten rules sometimes get to fights on the field, right? But when it comes to like opinions about these things, you can still believe in the unwritten rules. I'm okay with you believing in it and fighting on the field. I'm okay with that sort of argument, right? Because I think that's also entertaining. I think that adds a level of passion to the game. But at the same time, when you're talking about baseball's unwritten rules, you cannot ignore race in this, right? Because, well, baseball has a lot of white people in it, has black people in it, it has Asian people in it, it has folks from around Latin America, Dominican Republic, Cuba, Mexico, Venezuela, um, a couple people like from Honduras, Curacao, Aruba, all those places. So you can't ignore race f- from this. Fernando Tatis Jr., who is Dominican, right? These unwritten rules tend to be more enforced when the person is not white. And um, I don't know if their people are doing this on purpose or if it's subconscious, but once you like get hip to it, you see, oh, right, like players from Korea or Latin America or black players, right, who maybe are, who come from backgrounds where this happens, where these unwritten rules are regularly broken, right? In Korea, they bat flip like nobody's business. In Dominican Republic, they bat flip like no one's business, right? So players from those places or from those backgrounds, right? They're at a disadvantage unwritten rules wise, right? And when it comes to these intersections at Major League Baseball, right? You you can't ignore it because... It happens more and people get, you know, sort of demonized or seem like bad people or divas, right? And most of the time, those are the the non-white players. And that's a problem, right? That's sort of that structural, like historical prejudice towards these non-white players. Because you got to remember, baseball, like a lot of other sports, was segregated. But I think breaking the color line in baseball is much more significant than breaking the color line in America anyway, in these other sports. Like we still talk about Jackie Robinson to this day, right? Because he was such a influential figure in the sport and in the country. So 
Like you can't ignore race in baseball. You really can't. You can't say baseball transcends race because it's evident that that's not true, right? Aside from the fact that pretty much every team is multicultural and there's multilingual, but these these unwritten rules like they specifically or disproportionately target these non-white players. And that's something that we have to reckon with and that baseball has to reckon with. And I think Major League Baseball has tried to do this in the past. Like in the past postseason, they've said, let the kids play. They've said, yo, like, let's bat flip. Let's break these unwritten rules. That's fine. You know, they've thrown their support behind a lot of these non-white players. Tim Anderson on the Chicago White Sox is a big example, right? He's sort of coming into his own or Tim Anderson came into his own about a year ago right and ever since then Major League Baseball on social media has been throwing the support behind Tim Anderson this black American player and sort of embracing his personality they've embraced the personality on social media but they still have a way to go in terms of marketing their players and truly um, embracing the the personality of the players Right. But and I think part of that is doing away with unwritten rules. But part of me is like, yo, like if you want to believe in the unwritten rules, like you can. Right. There's nothing stopping you. But and you just have to be prepared to throw hands. Right. Or at least pretend like you want to throw hands because, you know, sports fights are barely even fights or like really just loud arguments most of the time. But you got to be prepared because someday someone is going to throw hands and you got to be ready to um, catch the hands and you got to throw hands back. Um, So that's something to be discussed. And I'm not an expert. I don't have every single answer, right? But unwritten rules, I think, largely can can go away, right? And in the point of Fernando Tatis and the unwritten rule here, which is running up the score and not running up the score, That makes no fucking sense. And I'll tell you why. Baseball is not a sport with a clock. It's not a sport with a time limit. Unless you're talking about this year where they are implementing some time-restricting rules because of the shortened season or whatever. But baseball does not have a clock that counts down and buzzes when the game is over. Which means that at any given moment a team can start to come back and they can come back from behind and take the lead at any given moment up until the last out, right? So in any situation, you should be trying to continue to score runs, right? You should always be thinking about scoring runs. You shouldn't give up runs on purpose because you never know when the other team is going to find momentum. It could be on their last strike it could be on the last batter it could be on their first batter you don't know but you never know when a team is going to hit their groove and score 10 runs in an inning right you never know if that's going to happen tonight so it's in your best interest to run up the score and yes it's in pretty much any team's best interest to win as much as possible and score as much as possible but in baseball really you have no reason to not run up the score if you can right? You want to protect that lead as much as you can. You want to make life easier on your pitchers. You want to make life easier on your defense. You want to run up the score. 
technically. This isn't Little League, where there's mercy rules, which are largely for time constraints and scheduling reasons. These are the pros, right? You don't get no mercy rule in the pros, right? Stop being a baby about running up the score. It just, it's it's a unique problem to baseball, like basketball, football, they don't have these problems, right? But at the same time, I feel like disrespect, like what's deemed as disrespect, can lead to fights and arguments. But what's deemed as disrespect in baseball, just at its core, doesn't seem very disrespectful. And I think that's uh, the main sort of issue with it and why I think that, at least for most of them, you should just do away with unwritten rules. Um, But I'm also a person that's against robot umpires and wants to no DH in the National League. So you might not agree with me, but who 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 cares? Not me. You you can you can disagree. That's fine. Tell me about it. Maybe we'll talk. Um but the other sports thing that I wanted to to talk about and I don't have a whole lot to talk about, but we'll we'll see. Um is Alex Smith, who is a football quarterback who I thought and still think will never play football again. Um, and he plays for Washington, um, who formerly known as the racial slur towards Native Americans, but now they just go by Washington. And he came into his own in the NFL. He, he did pretty good. And then Alex Smith had one of the most horrific leg injuries in his entire existence, right? And he needed 17 surgeries. He could barely walk. At some point, they did think that it was a life-threatening injury, not just career-ending, but life-threatening, right? So I had assumed, and I think a lot of people assumed, Alex Smith is not going to play football again. He's going to have to retire officially because there's no way for him to do that. Well, lo and behold, 17 surgeries and one life scare later, Alex Smith can walk again. And we see a video of Alex Smith walking like literally just walking and then they say alex smith has been cleared for football activities he's gonna practice with the team all that stuff and immediately my mind was like holy shit god no like please protect alex smith from a football field alex smith should not play football ever again if you had a leg that almost killed you because of the injuries that you had 17 surgeries on and just walking is an accomplishment, and you can barely walk at that. You're kind of hobbly, right? If anyone said that to you, your first thought wouldn't be, you should play football. Your first thought would be, oh no, that's terrible, right? I'm glad you're here with us right now. I'm glad that you persevered, right? And that's an amazing story that you have. That's your first response. Not, oh, go play probably the most dangerous sport America has to offer. No, that's not what you say, right? Ever. And it's just like, I looked on Twitter. And again, I know Twitter isn't the majority. But when I saw Alex Smith walking, like it was like Bleacher Report or ESPN or something saying, Oh, this is inspirational. He's gonna come to the football field again. And in my mind, I was like, absolutely not. This guy should not play football again. So I took to Twitter very briefly to see how people were thinking about it. And people on Twitter were saying the same thing. They were saying, Alex Smith is an inspiration. Can't wait to see him on the football field. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I can't be the dumb one here, right? 
I can't think that this isn't common sense. Like, Alex Smith hasn't played football, mind you, because of this injury for over a year, right? And again, he almost died from this leg injury. If Alex Smith had gotten this virus, this injury while coronavirus was out and about, like, I don't even want to think about what would happen to Alex Smith if that happened and if, you know, he managed to get in contact with a virus. I don't even want to think of the end result of that. And you're saying, play football again? Hello? That makes no sense. It makes no sense. He should retire from football, right? I I can't fathom, like someone who can barely walk, like literally, if you look at Alex Smith, he has a full-on leg cast. Alex Smith is a white guy and he has one leg that is completely black pitch black because he has this weird skinny cast all on his leg and you're telling me that this guy can play football with a cast on his entire leg right not keep in mind i'm not even caring for like actual ability or footwork or skill or anything like that i'm saying just based on the fact that football is a tackle sport and these guys are 300 plus pounds that are coming at you to tackle you i have to i have to say this seems like a poor decision right maybe you should rehab some more alex smith maybe you should become an accountant or a coach or something, right? Because football is just not in the cards. And I truly just don't understand the hype surrounding Alex Smith coming back when really this seems more like a tragedy to me. You got the worst injury of your life playing football and now you're going back to playing football where you can re-injure the in- biggest injury of your life or you can get injured some other way right but either way i'd rather be injured some other way than 300 pound man tackling me and injuring me um but anyway enough about alex smith and this is no not an insult to alex smith i'm not saying that he's not a good quarterback or anything like that i'm saying for your own health and safety you should not play football um, but anyway, there's one thing that I wanted to talk about that seems to be, you know, a developing story. But Kellyanne Conway, we're moving to politics now, enough about sports, right? Kellyanne Conway's daughter, whose name is like Claudia, and Kellyanne Conway has his husband, I think his name is George, right? And... If you followed American politics at all, you probably know Kellyanne Conway is like Donald Trump's like advisor, messenger, potentially friend. I don't know. And George Conway is a little bit not down with Trump. Like he's he's not in in the Trump inner circle. Right. Kellyanne is. But the other Conways are not. Well, this girl, Claudia, their daughter, right, who's been on Twitter and TikTok, like, basically, she's taken her 16-year-old self, figured out what she could do, which is social media, and broadcasted to the entire world that 
Kellyanne Conway and George are basically pieces of shit. She doesn't like Trump. Claudia doesn't. And she com- disagrees completely with her parents on on politics, right? The Both the Trump and the non-Trump, who is still, I think, more conservative, right? They both are not politically aligned with their daughter, right? And today, as I'm recording this, they said Kellyanne Conway leaves her job as advisor or whatever to the president to be with her kids more. I guess they have four kids. I don't know much about Kellyanne Conway. I just think she's a liar, basically. She's just lying for the president. But in this case, right, we have this daughter, right, who's exposing Kellyanne or... Exposed isn't the right word, but like talking shit about Kellyanne and George Conway. And now Kellyanne, George resigned too. They are resigning to spend more time with the family because more time with the family, I guess to them, means that the kid won't tweet or post TikToks, right? Like the only way to get that kid not to tweet or not to post TikToks is to get rid of your Wi-Fi, get rid of your internet access, and then leave them to be in their room. No Wi-Fi, no hotspot. That's the only way that you're going to get the kid not to talk about it because she's made such a platform off of talking shit about her parents, right? Now, imagine you're a wealthy family. I imagine Kellyanne and George do pretty well for themselves, right? Wealthy people tend to let their kids curse in front of them. So I'm I'm imagining Kellyanne Conway trying to be a good mother as best as she can be and this older daughter Claudia just absolutely destroying her. Like you know damn well Kellyanne Conway that your kids do not want you around. There's no way you can look at your daughter's Twitter feed and think that your daughter wants you around. She if she could divorce her parents, she probably would and just live with like an aunt or uncle or something right it's interesting like spending time with family like oh after i spend a week with my family they're definitely going to agree with me politically no that that's that's not how life works right that's not how you know political opinions change especially if you're someone who's pretty far left by american standards in claudia and pretty far right by american standards um, and Kellyanne, right? That's not something that is fixed just by spending time, right? You have to actually have deep connections and communication, right? In order to fix that thing, if you believe that it's something that's worth fixing, right? But I just think like, this is hilarious that there's a 16 year old kid tweeting about their parents and causing their parents to resign and not only that this is at the height of power in the country the president the like advisor to the president can't keep her job because her 16 year old daughter just won't stop talking shit right and if i ever have kids or anything like that i don't i guess i want them to talk shit like that like at least they have something to talk about not saying that i'd be a bad person or a bad dad but Give me some shit to talk about. Now, on to something else that's a little bit 
veering off topic here. Um, and I wanted to talk about this because um, I feel like it's an interesting situation, even if not everyone really can relate or anything like that. But as you probably know, if you watch Netflix, Legend of Korra, the sequel to Avatar The Last Airbender, is on Netflix. Now, Legend of Korra is a critically acclaimed show. It got very good reviews while it was out. Yes, it's not perfect. Yes, there are some production issues. But there's a negativity surrounding Legend of Korra that is just weird to me because I'm okay with you not liking a show. I don't, if it's not your energy, if it's not your vibe, I'm okay with you not liking something. I don't care about that. But it just seems like the critiques of Legend of Korra from all levels, whether they're like just regular, like throwing shit at a wall critique, or like, for lack of a better word, a woke critique, like where we're talking about like social, political, cultural ideas within the show. I feel like both of those sides of critiques, like the sort of thought out and the non thought out, I guess if you split them into categories, both of those critiques make it look like to me like they didn't watch the show. It's so very weird that you can do this sort of woke, and I hate that I'm using woke to describe this, but it's a quick way to describe like social justice oriented criticism, right? But like those sort of articles, right, or those sort of criticisms of Legend of Korra seem so surface level. I've never seen something so detailed or something that people go into detail about, but still seem like you completely miss the point. Like, I can get, like, Legend of Korra has a female protagonist, like a strong, bisexual, dark brown skin woman as the protagonist, and I can see people being sexist or homophobic or biphobic or just general misogynist right? Hating Korra because of that. I think that's bad and stupid and idiotic. But I, I know that there's going to be people like that, that, that just don't like Legend of Korra because Korra is a woman, right? I get that, right? But when it comes to these sort of nuanced critiques about the politics of Legend of Korra or the characters or the motivations or the villains, right? Everything just seems to, to miss the mark with me, right? And it's sort of saying like, oh, I don't like the villain because the villain had some type of good impact on the world and that makes them a bad villain. And it's not like that at all, right? And I'm trying not to spoil Legend of Korra or anything like that, but each villain in each season of Legend of Korra, right, is sort of morally gray and has, you know, ideas that in the right circumstances would be considered noble, but they're going about it in a different way and not everyone benefits the same. And even if there are some good things that come from the philosophy of the villains, the villains are ultimately bad for the world because the way they want to go about things is detrimental to the world as a whole, right? So there's a little bit more nuance, and I'm not going into it here, but there's complex reasons for a lot of things, right? Um, and it just seems like people are missing the mark. And maybe it's just, like, you can't do, like, a Twitter thread that's completely detailed, but the reality is you can, right? Or you can write an essay that is detailed and 
talks about the nuance of things, but it just seems like no one does, right? And I'll give an example. Like I was searching up Cora today because I was watching some episodes and I'm like live tweeting it and all that stuff, right? And I search up Cora and one of the suggested things is Legend of Cora is police propaganda. And in Legend of Cora, there are police in the show, right? Some of the main characters are police officers or police chiefs. But the police in Legend of Korra are not like this sort of perfect entity. They're not this sort of noble cause. Like the police are corrupt in a lot of ways. And the person who founded the police in this world, because this world is not like the United States, and the police don't have that same foundation that they do have in the United States. But the person who created the police realized that the police in its current state is not the best way to help the people, right? So when it seems when people say things like oh, like, this is just something that's pro-police, right? You have to ignore the blatant corruption of the police, and the police are very corrupt, and it's not like it's hidden, right? The police are corrupt in a way that makes you think, hey, these police are corrupt, right? Oh, this this is a problem that maybe isn't on the surface in reality, but once you get into the story, you see, oh, these police are corrupt, Maybe we should do something about that, right? Maybe we should, you know, organize our politics or how the stratifications of society work, right? There are there are multiple layers to this show. And I get that you're not everyone is going to like it. I don't care if you like it or not. I just want you to use your brain a little bit more. And, and I, I hate saying that, but it feels like you didn't watch the show when you when you criticize it like that. And I can't think of any other show where a majority of criticisms make it seem like you didn't watch the show or didn't pay attention to the show, right? Because there are a lot of things that can be explained or that can be, you know, discussed in a thoughtful manner, right? But you're completely ignoring those details, right? I would like to discuss Legend of Korra more, right? And how it compares to Avatar and how it fits as a standalone series, right? But a good amount of people, right, are just, like, sort of informed but misinformed at the same time. And it's such an odd phenomenon for something that was critically acclaimed, right? There's, like, this weird sort of corner of negativity that surrounds the show. And it includes people who maybe mean well and maybe mean to be anti-racist and, you know, anti-homophobic, anti, you know, whatever oppressive system. And there's this intersection of people who really probably hate the social justice warriors. And they're in the same corner. And they have things that, to me at least, seem very surface level, very um, unanalytical, right? But they're coming at it from two different ways and they have two different end goals. But it just seems like there's there's not a lot there that they've actually paid attention to. And it's like, if you pay attention to it, there's so many things that I think make the show cool, right? And that I think make the show interested. But the same things are 
negatives to some of these people. And it seems like to me, it's just because you're not paying attention, right? And I hate being that guy. I hate being the guy that's like, you're not paying attention. You haven't thought deep enough for this. I hate being that guy. I don't want to be that guy. That comes off like elitist, right? But I feel like also if you're making a critique, you got to have something to back up the critique. If I can have arguments against all of your points, then maybe you you need more points or different points. Or if these points can easily be disproven, right? Or these points are factually just like flat out lies, right? Then maybe we need to work on the argument. Like I'm not arguing with people just randomly on Twitter, but I'm looking through Twitter because I have a fucking addiction while I'm watching the show, seeing what people are saying about it, seeing who is watching this for the first time and the ones that are negative and they're not all negative again this in my opinion is a good show right it just seems like oh you missed the point or oh you you didn't watch the same show i did right because that was explained so i don't know where what to do other than to just give my opinions on twitter i've made like a twitter thread as i'm watching the show but it just it's just so it's so odd to me, right? That these two sections of people that typically don't agree on the internet agree, but in a bad way, right? And they they take shots at a show without I feel like understanding what they were going for. And it's okay if you understand it and if you still don't like it, but I generally don't think that a lot of these negative people really understand what's going on here. Um. But anyway, this is a little bit shorter than what I like, but I am trying to preserve my voice, as you know, if you've listened to these, and I am sort of gearing up for another podcast that I have to get ready for and do my research and all that. Um, So I'm going to end this off with sort of an ad for my other podcast, which is A World of Love, which is a Love Island podcast, Love Island USA is coming back to tomorrow or when this is posted august 24th love island usa will premiere in the united states of course um and i will be covering that on my other podcast which is an anchor podcast which means that i get money if you listen to it it's not a lot of money but i i get money if you listen to it so that's exciting i'm excited to like watch things again right? I'm excited to like really get into and really be a fan of things. And I think Avatar did that a lot. Like The Last Airbender and Korra did that a lot for me and got me into like invested in characters and the world and all that. But Love Island is a bit different because these are real people, right? And they're going to be kissing and hugging and flirting and all that stuff, right? And I'm excited to like be invested in something, especially since I feel like every day is kind of the same at this point. And sometimes it feels hard to be motivated, right? Love Island, every day is not the same, right? People are in couples, people are kissing, people are thinking about being boyfriend and girlfriend, and people switch around and new people come in and new people come out and things are being said. And I feel like something that's a reality show that's filmed and taped basically live, right? That's something that I feel more excited for now than I think I would if 
there wasn't a pandemic and a quarantine. And that's something that I'm looking forward to. So if you're interested in Love Island, it comes on CBS um, and I'm going to be covering it. So you can look at the link in the description of this podcast. It should be there. You can go and listen. I've already put up my first episode of this new season by the time that this podcast comes out. Um, But yeah, I hope that you're staying safe. If you live around fires like I do, um, please stay safe. And if people need to come to your place to evacuate, let them. Be nice. Let them evacuate at your place. Um, But yeah, that's all. Again, please stay safe. Love you. Thank you for listening and paying attention. I will see you next time. Bye.